0: Could you imagine right, if we had, if we ever did a YouTube live oh show? Gosh, you we just, have, our, yeah,
1: our people our would be like, would "Hate us!" It's been 20 our minutes. Listeners
2: would absolutely
3: hate us.
1: <laughs> I be mean, like, look one, look our 75 listeners. Just listen to me. <laughs> talk about Dawson's Creek for a few more minutes.
3: The number would just keep going down and down and down. <laughs> Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by Dan Flashes. Dan Flashes—that's my exact style.
0: Oh man, so good.
3: (laughs) You go in. Whatever.
0: You go
1: in.
3: (laughs) Oh, complicated shirts. Yeah, they cost more when the Um, pattern's complicated. I'm your host, Chase Baker, and I'm joined today by Jason Lamprecht, Dan Lyons, and Patrick Hervey. We are recording this about 30 minutes to an hour after the conclusion of the Super Bowl and uh, where we've seen the Chiefs become victorious once again. And, you know, we're, but we're not here to talk football. We're, we're here to talk basketball because it was an insane trade week. Probably some of the biggest trades we've had in recent memory. Absolutely bonkers. Last time we talked about the, the, the trade week that we had ourselves on bench reactions, becoming general managers of front offices. And then we got to witness it in real life. And it was even more entertaining than what we did. And... My mind is seriously blown, especially on the Kevin Durant trade. It's and just teams have been completely flipped on their head.
0: I feel like I was living in this weird alternate universe over the last week where I honestly could not could not remember which <laughs> trades we had made and which trades happened in reality. <laughs> so there were times where I was like, man, that <laughs> that Mike Muscala trade was awesome. And then I looked at the, you know, my my phone and I'm like, wait. How did he end up on Boston? <laughs> I thought he was on Brooklyn. <laughs> oh,
3: because of how crazy oh, the real yeah. life yes. trades were, so they were just the as crazy as
1: our trades. Whose jobs actually depended on this. Were more chaotic than us.
2: It's, it was incredible.
0: <laughs> and I liked a lot of our trades more than some of the trades that actually happened. Absolutely. Can I just plug that in?
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and even when like me dropping the ball at the beginning of our trade week with like the mix up of like unprotect, you know, first no consecutive first picks, right? And then we almost witnessed an a four-team trade completely <laughs> fall through, where That's Gary Payton point. the second did not get sent because of a failed physical. But luckily, I think, seriously, as of like an hour and a half ago, they announced that the trade was completed. Oh, they officially did like it actually it ended up okay. happening. Okay, they yeah. did. All right, let's let's dive into the biggest trades from last week. Arguably. Are this And I say this, I mean this arguably, arguably the biggest trade. Well, at least one of them, right? Well, let's just start with the first biggest trade from last week that happened chronologically first, Kyrie to Dallas. Wild, right? So Kyrie to Dallas in return for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 unprotected first-round pick and two future second-round picks. What are our thoughts on the trade?
1: Felt like that happened a month ago. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh,
0: that was yeah. literally seven days literally. ago. No, that was last Sunday. Feels yeah. feels
2: like a yeah. month ago, wow. though. Wow. Oh, boy. So many good JFK Kyrie on the grassy knoll tweets. Just, you know, it was all variation on a common theme, and all of them were just so choice.
1: He is a bit of an ideological maverick <laughs> if you really think about it. Oh, ooh, I like that. Can I just can I just say okay. that even though I gave up more for Kyrie like significantly more for Kyrie as the Clippers I also I think my theoretical Clippers had more of a reason to actually use Kyrie than this Mavericks team which you know they they can both get their numbers but then still lose to the Kings in overtime I <laughs> I don't really see the Ouch. I don't really see the point here except to like really temporarily appease Luca. And I say temporarily because I would put the odds at uh, of, uh, of, or the over under for a number of games. Kyrie plays for Dallas at like over under 40 at this point. Cause that's like literally the rest of the season plus the playoffs. I, Cause they haven't extended him and he's, he is, you might say he's known to have a wandering eye. And the Lakers trades, which we'll get to them potentially to have the cap space. So I just don't, I don't see giving up what they gave up to solid players and a first round pick to do whatever they think they're going to do for the next 40 games. But that's just me. I just think Dallas was
0: so desperate to get a star at this point. And one of the issues is, they don't really have uh, enough assets to get it done for any other stars, right? Like Kyrie's, Kyrie, I feel like Kyrie was the one star that they could actually put together a package that was good enough for Brooklyn to accept. You look at some of the other stars that have gone out over the last six, 12 months, and you know it's been essentially a king's ransom for these guys. So uh, on that front, I understand Mark Cuban and kind of the Dallas organization's mentality in terms of, look, We're not really going anywhere anyway with this core right now, but I'm with you, Jay. I don't really, I I don't think it, well, I do think it potentially raises their ceiling. You get in the playoffs and you got two guys that are good, as good at isoing as Kyrie and Luka are, but they're still going to have the same defensive problems they've had the whole year. Worse. They're still going to have the same depth issues. Worse. You're right. You're right. You're right. Way, way worse. Some might argue. You're still going to have, the same depth issues as they've had the whole season, so I think that their their ceiling is, and especially with KD going to the Suns, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I think that their ceiling is probably still what, like a a five or six seed, maybe. Which I don't know. I don't know if that's going to do it for our our guy Luca Legend.
3: I think for the front office, they're they're looking at, I don't want to say fluke. It wasn't a fluke, but the fact that the Mavericks got to the the Western Conference Finals and they're thinking okay we're willing to sacrifice some depth we're willing to sacrifice some defense for an extra closer in the playoffs not that luka needs any playoff help but he needs as much help as he can get and again i think this is a a mark cuban kind of sensing tension and then poking their gm to say look we've, we've, we 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 really, we really need to keep him happy we've we've got to change something or maybe dirk Nowitzki's like you guys he's you know we're homies. He's, I, I, I know that look. I know the way he's he's frustrated because he's doing It's like, you know, it was like LeBron a while ago with 80 having like when 80 had been out for a while already. And LeBron had, you know, started to kind of turn around and was dropping like 35 points a game for like a few games in a row. You just like you just started to sense that he was getting tired. And I, that's how Luca was starting to look emotionally and physically tired. And something had to give. But here's my question. So this experiment for, is going to be interesting to
0: see how it plays out. Here's my question for you guys. Obviously, Luca is an incredibly ball dominant player, and I understand the need to kind of ease his burden by bringing somebody in. I do want to remind each of us and our listeners that we probably wouldn't be at this point if Dallas hadn't completely pooped the bed with the Jalen Brunson situation last season. So we should remember that. I think this is. Uh, them somewhat atoning for that, you know, that mistake that they made. But my question for you guys is what kind of team do you think is best to build around Luca to try to actually win? Because if you bring in a, another ball dominant star, it's like this weird sort of catch 22 with them. Like you bring in a ball dominant star, Luca likes having the ball in his hands. Is he going to get tired of not having it as much in his hands over time? I just, I still. I, I don't know. I, I still think that they probably need to model it around what successful teams that have built around LeBron have done, but unfortunately they don't have the assets to do that anymore. I guess you can make the case that obviously Kyrie played with LeBron really well
1: really, really well, but they had better pieces around that core. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't I I I don't see the issue, especially because Kyrie has somehow found himself playing next to ball dominant elite scores his entire career. And at least when it comes to there's, I, I've never noticed any issues with there being only one ball with him. He's good at playing off ball. He's good at taking turns. He's good at cheering like a good boy does. But yeah, I mean, I don't see that being an issue. I just don't. I I, I think that the like what you're saying, the pieces around is what's gonna gonna dictate how far they can go. And they gave up some really significant to me pieces around in order to get him in doesn't work for me
3: if if there is a problem it, it would be a Luca problem I, I I agree with with Jay it, it, it would be a Luca problem and not a Kyrie problem because yes of Kyrie's extensive experience with like a, a number one choice arguably a number one choice on multiple teams and that that number one wasn't Kyrie multiple yeah. times and it, it all comes down to Luca in fact I I us mentioning this I I went digging for a quote that I read on on Twitter yesterday uh, where Luca kind of felt bad for not handing the ball off to Kyrie in their first game together, you know, cause they, they lost in overtime quote. He said in, in regards of why he didn't give the ball to Kyrie before his step back three in overtime says, it's my bad. I should have given it back to Kai for me. I'm still in a learning process, but for sure I should have given it back to him. He was really hot down the stretch. So, I read that quote from Luca as he's definitely, and at least right right this second, willing to make his ball dominant way of life work in a better way that fits that that has Kyrie in the picture. He's willing right now. So, I guess and my I'm question whether or not that works. My
0: question is less about like is Luca is Luca going to be happy with this type of setup, and more around like how do you actually maximize what Luca brings to the table? Like, <laughs> is this type of move the best move? to get them in title contention? Or do you think that it's more building like, like super role players around him? I don't know the answer. I'm genuinely just throwing yeah, this out I'll, to I'll, see what I'll you guys think. Yeah,
2: I'll take a stab at that one. I can see the appeal, right? It's sort of like, <laughs> uh, why why Bron and Polinka wanted to bring Russ on board. And I say that obviously, to you know, like in jest, but also like in a very real way, like, hey, having... Somebody else to sort of (laughs) way too soon. Too soon. Um, but but I can see the appeal of having somebody else (laughs) to share the load, right? That's the idea. Is like, hey, your turn, my turn. But we just really haven't seen a lot of your turn, my turn teams, you know, go really far, even like even past the conference finals to the finals, winning a championship. Like your turn, my turn is a very very just a it's 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 not a good way to keep everybody on the team engaged, and that's kind of what I see you know foresee going forward with with Luka and Kyrie. Now, to your point, I do think that in terms of in terms of team building, I think that right getting a bunch of three like if you got Brooklyn's team around Luka and like a couple of decent rim protectors I think that that's pretty much how you maximize it, right? Like if if Braun is his comp, and obviously Luca's not Braun, especially from a defensive standpoint. Of, of, offensively, he's putting up some absolutely insane numbers, and so in terms of dissecting a defense, I think that that Braun and Luca are. I mean, I think Braun's better, but Luca's pretty close. But if you get a bunch of three and D guys, if you get some good rim protection, I think I don't know that to me seems like the, like the the best way to do it, rather than having a your turn, my turn sort of situation.
1: I think with, him, with Luca being compared to LeBron here, which is an insane, insane comp for us to be making, but also somehow feels like, like it works, which is crazy for Luca. I think honestly, the best partner for him would be the, the best partner that LeBron has had, which is Peak AD, or yeah. Bam Adebayo, or someone like that, who's going to be the captain, the general on defense, while you know, rolling, creating a little when, you know, to, to give the other guy a break. But I think the best we're talking about like your your turn, my turn, kind of partnerships that work are the ones where where the rules are very defined. Like with Kobe and Shaq, it was Shaq's gonna create for three quarters and then Kobe's gonna have the ball in the fourth because Shaq can't make free throws. With with Wade it was Wade will do it here and there, but when the when when it matters the ball is going to start in LeBron's hands and then LeBron's and then Wade's going to slash kind of off of him. But I think the, the, the roles have to be defined. Everyone has to know who the number one guy is. And I think the Mavs can do it, but we'll, we'll find out. Uh, I'm again, I don't see the, I don't see the on the offense being a problem. I think it's the other end.
3: Agreed. 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 Let's uh, go on to one of the next biggest trades of the week. Again, Not even, still not even referring to the Kevin Durant trade just yet, (laughs) but the Lakers finally moving on from Russell Westbrook. Jason knows
0: true happiness. A breath of fresh
3: air. This a three-team trade. Where the Lakers got D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt. I'm sad to see those guys go from the Jazz, but it made a lot of sense from from a Jazz uh, front office perspective. Timberwolves receive Mike Conley. Nah, mm-hmm. we called him nah. nah. Nikhil Alexander Alexander Walker. 2024 second round. 25 second round. 26 second round. And then, of course, the Jazz in return got Juanescano Anderson, Damian Jones, a 2027 first-round pick, which I will point out that specific pick is a has been apparently a very coveted pick on the trade market. And then, of course, none other than Mr. Russell Westbrook.
0: Clear out, Jason. Oh, Clear me. Out. Take it away, because Jason, J- Jason's been smiling this entire time, <laughs> and you've been waiting for this here.
3: moment. He's smiling from, <laughs> from year to year. here to here. There it is. Yep, I was waiting for that. Jason, you've been waiting for this moment to like say this in a, in an official setting, such as this podcast recording, for quite a while. I, bu- I believe it out. was
0: Kelly Clarkson that said, <laughs> "Some people wait a lifetime <laughs> oh for a moment like this."
1: <laughs> y'all, uh, I danced y'all. to that song in my eighth grade middle school dance. So, J- Jason, take it away. Oh, y'all, felt like <laughs> a lifetime. All I can say is, <laughs> I love LA. We love it. <laughs> we are back. We are back on top again. Oh my gosh, I I, I cannot like we, we. You can argue that some of the other trades this week uh, had more of a on-court, uh, long-term NBA impact. when it comes to the number of people who just rejoiced and felt a weight lifted on their shoulders by, by a trade. There is no chance that any trade or a combination of all the trades made this week will reach the number of people who looked at their phone, saw that man's name, saw that it was actually, a, cause they're just what, been doing this thing where he like starts a tweet with that man's name and then makes it about something else. And everyone's like, "God, ah! Russell Westbrook, yeah, is out for tonight's is out for tonight's
3: game with an ankle sprain."
1: Ah! Ah! So to see that it was actually about a trade and to see that it was completed, oh, hallelujah, God is real.
0: Oh my goodness, <laughs> you know it's you know it's rough when Lakers fans rejoice over swapping out Westbrook for D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> For D'Angelo another just leftovers. another you know well known locker room uh, oh, yeah. extraordinaire. Yes, yeah, Awesome locker room Ooh. presence. He did
2: really good in Minnesota, <laughs> from what I understand.
0: Okay, I will say he lo- he looks good last night. He looks good last night. I will say that on the court, I think LeBron will be able to keep him in check. It's just don't be going to say snitching. transitioning to.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> transitioning to a serious note i mean there. Re- i mean though we have sort of deemed anthony edwards as the leader of men in minnesota d'angelo russell being the vet amongst the group there was never a clear true clear leader up there um deloading come to la like it will be it's already very clear Here, that he will know his place uh yeah. with lebron in the locker room like th- that's not yeah. that, and at here's least is thing. not going to be an here's issue you know thing.
1: in minnesota delo was like you know, you know like when you're with an old friend who like who like you were a certain way with. And so when you're back around mm. them, you're kind of expected to act a certain way, you know. It's yeah. like when we hang out. Like when I'm with know? when like I'm with you guys, we're all like <laughs> hot rod, yes. and when I'm with my new friends and we're like talking about <laughs> the communist manifesto and like Quoting the French <laughs> New Wave, you know what I mean. Big, big Marx like, fans over here. You know, like hey. just a little bit more sophisticated. It's a, that was D-Lo with Cat. He was just he was around his like old crummy college friend who just brings him down, and now he can play with dudes who have won something and who can show him the way to a a better future. It, it's it. This is <laughs> the encore thing we already saw last night that the, the fit is just a million times better. D'Angelo can shoot. He plays just uh, with a control when he's on. When he's on. He plays with a little bit of control and a little bit of, I would say, just a little bit of smoothness that is nice. But D'Angelo isn't even the on-court guy that the Lakers fans are excited about. They are, we are over the moon for Jared Vanderbilt right now. He oh, is yeah. a monster, oh, yeah. an absolute monster. And he has something to play for now, even though weirdly he went to a worse team and when it comes to the standings, but we all kind of know what I'm saying. But on court aside, just exercising the demons from this organization this week is going to pay dividends for years to come. And Rob Polinka showing that he can do his job, may you know, I mean, maybe it would have been better if he just like, I don't know. Got himself fired, and they could have hired someone else. But if he can, if he can actually do his job competently long term and instill a, a sense of responsibility and a sense of that there's an adult in the room who has his kind of hands on the wheel, uh, it that it, it's just night and day. It's just night and day, and it, and honestly, it does not even necessarily matter what happens the rest of the season. I think these guys like playing with each other and are going to like playing with each other. And if, even if it just means doing it next season, um, I think it's going to be worth it. it. feels good. Yeah. You can't underestimate the, the fun factor as a team to your point,
0: Jay. I mean, obviously I know in LA, the, the reason you play is for banners, right. For championships, which I totally get, but as a fan, I think there's something to be said about watching just a, in, an incredibly depressing team for a year and a half going from that to, You get some youth in, in Vanderbilt. I mean, Malik Beasley's not old either. He's like 26. You get more depth in there. You get pieces that I think just make more sense on this roster. And to to your point, I mean, we got to give Palinka some credit. The fact that he was able to get actual real assets back in trading Russ's contract. I mean, most of the time with contracts like that, you're trading a first-round pick just to get off the contract. So to bring three guys back, I'm curious – Dan and chase to get your take on the jazz side of things, because I, I do. I mean, obviously hashtag in Danny, we trust, right. I think that if there was a better deal to be made, he would have done it. But I am curious on a couple. I'm I'm curious about a couple things. Number one, was that really the best offer that he could have gotten for Conley, Beasley and Vanderbilt. And my second question, I know I brought this up in our, in our, our text thread. I'm still just a little bit confused about why he was so quick to get off of, Vanderbilt like it to me Jared Vanderbilt fits in really well with their sort of young core young nucleus there so anyway those are the two questions I have for you guys Yeah, I'll
2: I'll take it I'll I'll go first so about Vanderbilt I think Vanderbilt is an excellent player but honestly I mean it's 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 been the rise of Walker Kessler I think that that's that's the biggest thing is where they've been like man Walker Kessler is awesome and honestly Vanderbilt really hasn't been playing that much over the past little bit especially like he started the season in the starting five. I mean, had played like pretty well in those Linux like Vanderbilt Markkinen lineups. Those those were really good offensively for sure, and just and like okay defensively. And the Jazz have a lot to figure out defensively, but obviously, like Walker Kessler is 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 the future at center in Utah. Like it's it's no joke. And so, you know, I I just I just think like it, it wasn't a like a matter of him like not playing well it's just sort of a matter of fit and so you know if I'm Danny then I'm like okay then you know what's what's going to be the best return that 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 I can get for that and then yeah Chase what do you think about that
3: yeah it was a matter of fit also it was a matter of getting uh, Rudy Gay's minutes Rudy started out the season injured and Mm -hmm. uh, once Rudy Gay started to make his way back into the lineup jared when he would you know swap minutes his production went down and kind of just fell out of the rotation and even though we're all like look rudy gay's doing great but like let's get let's get vanderbilt and let's get vandy and give him some minutes and you know give him a chance to reacclimate that never quite like happened and never quite came to fruition and the last few weeks of of vanderbilt being on the team was like maybe like seven to eight minutes a game, like really fell out of the lineup and uh, the jazz just kept doing well without, without a strong role from Vanderbilt. So it was a fit thing. And then once Rudy Gay came back, it was just clear that Jared kind of didn't really fit in with the plan for this season, at least. Especially since apparently we wanted to keep Rudy Gay in the lineup as a talking as about the plan for this
1: season. I I gotta oh. give it up. I have given Mr. Ange uh, a hard time for not pivoting to the future and not not potentially trying to put themselves in position for the lottery this year. I was just looking at Tankathon, uh, they're only three games worse or three games better than the Pacers, who are have the sixth best odds if they actually pivot and they actually start losing a lot of games, they could put themselves, especially with the flat and lottery lottery odds in position to jump into that top three or or top or top two, which really is really what matters. So I got to give it up. I said, I said what he needed to do and he did it. And the good thing is they very, you know, they could, that, that pick is top four protected for 2027. So that's good for the jazz. They could get a, Anything from the fifth pick to you know something in the lottery, but the good thing about about it for the Lakers is if it doesn't convey, meaning if it is in the top four, it turns into a second round pick. Which is just a huge steal huge. and something that a mechanism of pick protection that I'm not sure I didn't know Rob Polinka was <laughs> capable of. <laughs> that is some masterful yeah.
3: knowledge. Yeah, it, and it and it follows so they yeah. could so the Lakers can keep that 2020 yeah. uh, nine like yeah. that keeps that pick flexible for them. Yeah, like that's really in the weeds, and the fact that they could keep that for on the Lakers side was like a, a, a pretty big W for for Sorry Mr. Polinka. T-
1: t- t- and then real quick, I was going was to was say sorry to 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 praise the jazz very quickly, but before turning it into a low key uh, flex for the Lakers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the <laughs> way, well, impressive. I and and by the way, that is a uh, quick little sneak peek oh. at the mud pie moment of the week it will it will feature mr plink in a positive light wow Okay. but uh, yeah that's my take mm-hmm. about vanderbilt gonna yeah. be a great fit on the lakers though like i i like he's got a bright future in la i think if um if he just keeps stepping up and is given the really chance really team friendly contract um, to get meaningful minutes
1: 2 years Better 4 million a oh, year yeah. Yeah. i think and then they can re-sign him but probably if they do re-sign him it'll probably be for like 10 mil something like that like that's just fantastic
0: Real quick, before we move on to the the probably the biggest blockbuster trade from Minnesota's side, just to share oh, yeah. uh, thirty seconds worth of worth of thoughts. I think this is a no brainer, right? I, I I don't think it was necessarily talent that they needed to bring in. I mean, obviously every team can use more talent, but they just needed some grown ups in the room, in the locker room. And the reason I was joking around about D'Lo earlier and his his locker room presence. Obviously, we we all know very well about his history with the Lakers organization. <laughs> From a long, long time ago, and he was a much younger lad. But the reports coming out of Minnesota about his, uh, how he was treating Rudy in the locker room and some of the stuff he was saying, yeah. I don't know if you guys saw oh, yeah. that, but it was
1: Lakers Twitter is like, yeah, that's why we wanted him. We like, you should treat Rudy like that. <laughs> amazing <laughs> i mean it was it was like
0: him basically op- openly straight up dogging on him. him in the locker room when everyone can he- everyone yeah. could hear him yeah i mean so i think you get conley in there obviously rudy and conley have I was gonna say a they got from their past jazz past days I think
1: brought in rudy's old friend <laughs> uh, i was yeah, i think that's telling, telling man i think that's telling this summer that, that was
3: the sad thing that was the sad thing about this trade. Like that was the hardest part is because Mike was like the last of the old guard on the jazz. Uh, and clearly, you know, when Joe Ingles left, the the crown of mm-hmm. locker room guy yeah. fell onto Mike Conley very clearly. Experienced vet guard, very kind, very like willing to take multiple guys under his arm. Um, that was leader, really hard so to no, see no. him go. Great leader. Give a really, like,
1: boy some love. He's still around. Yeah, it oh, wasn't he like was one right, of the OGs right. but, yeah, though. Like yeah, he wasn't the there for But the like Mike beginning. was like
3: Mike was like the yeah. dad. He was like the uncle. Like he was the protective the presence, right? And JC still kind of represents that young blood. But that yeah, b- big 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 move for the Wolves to get Mike up there because Mike has done the pick and pop thing to Rudy for years, and so hopefully they that will unlock some of Gobert, Rudy Gobert's offense that has been very much lacking. Um, and he'll, defer, you know, he'll defer to
0: Ant, which is what was probably most, yes. more needed yes. <laughs> than anything. Yes. Yes. So.
3: Yes, true point guard to, to get it to the scores. Yeah.
0: Yep. All right. Should we talk about uh,
1: oh a <laughs>
0: the trade goodness. to end all trades? Sure I don't want to
1: keep talking Ooh. about the, the last Ooh. trade or... Jason's really Anything excited about it. <laughs>
3: uh, can, we ta- like, can we talk? can we talk? Can we talk more about the Lakers, <laughs> please? Yeah. Oh, we'll talk more about them in a bit. J-
0: Chase but Let's some... let's go
3: to Kevin Durant. I've got some stuff. I've got some stuff there. But uh, yes, Pat, let's go to... Let's go to yes, I mean let's just call it the biggest trade. And uh Zach Lowe just called it perhaps the biggest blockbuster trade in many, many years of Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. And along with TJ Warren, why not? In return, the Nets got M- Michael Bridges, <laughs> Mikhail.
0: uh Mikhail, Cameron Johnson, Mikhail. 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 <laughs> <Is it> Michael. <laughs> did 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 Dan <laughs> tell you to pronounce it that way before the <laughs> I thought that was up? Yeah, I thought that was up. Mikael.
3: Dang it. No, that was an accident. We'll pretend like it was on purpose.
0: It's fine.
3: It's Mikhail (laughs) Bridges. For Kevin Durant. Exactly. And then Cameron Johnson. And then one, two, three, four, five first round picks, all from Phoenix. And, uh, 20, 23, 25, 27, and then 29. So literally like as many first picks that you could, you could do to, uh, to follow the Steffian rule. And then of course, uh, a couple second round picks. How many of those? I see yeah, two, two second round Milwaukee. picks. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a, a, pick four, too, so, a pick swap from Phoenix too. So a lot of picks, <laughs> a lot of picks, yeah, and like a Danny Ainge level <laughs> amount of picks, <laughs> wink, wink. Bucks get Jay, Pacers get George Hill, Sergi Baca, Jordan Nora and then uh, a bunch of second round picks and some cash.
0: Absolutely insane. What are our thoughts? I just want to say I went I went, I went to bed that night with no trades uh having happened and I woke up to about 1000 texts from you guys that had happened around 12:30 in the morning my time um and obviously a bunch of Twitter notifications about this happening. So I was very surprised. I, I probably shouldn't have been after the Kyrie news last week. I don't think anybody should have been surprised that KD was like, "Yo, if my if my dude's out, then I don't want to be here." Which, but I, I was a little bit surprised because I did feel like Brooklyn brought in some nice pieces, and that there was still a chance for KD to really compete in the East. But he probably looked at it and was like, meh, the the you know the ceiling isn't as high as I want it to be." Plus. Yeah, I, I I wonder. I would love to hear his perspective on if he feels like they did Kyrie dirty or not. I'm guessing he probably did feel that way from a contract a contract standpoint. But look, I I the piece that I guess surprises me the most is it sounds like he went straight to Sean Marks and Joe Sien and was like, there is one place and one place only that I want to go, and it's the Suns. Because I do think other teams potentially could have outbid them. I mean, not from a pick standpoint, but. Um, I love I love Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, but I don't think anyone necessarily looks at them as future stars in the making. I think they're they're both incredible role players. Mikael Bridges probably can do a little bit more than he's shown up to this point, maybe a lot more. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, I can't even like I, I don't even know how to wrap my mind around this. Watching that team once KD comes back is going to be like an out of body
1: experience. Yeah, I I actually. It, I think it's pretty obvious that these conversations happened six months ago and that there was, some, there was some sort of framework in place. I think both sides knew kind of where their stopping point was or and what the line was, that, or at least the Nets probably knew that the line to get a deal done was including Bridges, which I, from what I understand, they weren't willing to do six months ago or whenever it was. The NBA calendar is weird right now, I feel like. Uh, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I think they all knew how they could get a deal done and what kind of thing Phoenix would actually uh, be willing to do and what Brooklyn would be willing to accept for KD. And so I think when, it, when they made the decision to actually get it done, I think it seemed like it was pretty simple. And so we should have probably seen it coming, but I definitely saw it, barely processed it when I was like 80% asleep. Woke uh, Went to bed thinking like it would might have been a dream and then woke up in the morning and was like, nope, that really happened. Dang it. The West just got a lot tougher. And how about CP? Somehow this late in his career, actually getting maybe his best chance at a ring. Believable, that dude cannot be killed. <laughs> he just can't keep that guy down. That's insane.
3: Here's, here's the thing about KD. It proved to me even more that KD is the guy... Who shows up playing pick a ball and is like, oh, you know what? I see those two guys that I want to play with. I'm going to wait until they get in on this game (laughs) because those two, the guys are the best players. He he misses misses the free throws on
0: purpose. I've been guilty of it, man. He misses the free throws on purpose,
3: and he's like, "I want to win, so I'm going to wait until next game until those two guys get on the court, and then we're all going to play together." I mean, he got. I mean, obviously, playing his early days in OKC as like a powerhouse, he got addicted to that. Oh, like I want to play with my superstar friends. That's the reason he 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 put all his chips in and went to Golden State. Didn't work. Oh, you know what? Let's do another super team in. Uh, you know, for the Dunder Mifflin Nets. Let's head out east. And now he's back out west again because he's like, you know what? We're gonna win another chip because we got CP3 and book. Uh, you know, it, maybe and maybe it was because. And I don't want to accuse him of like, you know, hey, I didn't want it. I didn't want to be the leader of a team. I don't know. That's not my point. Like the, maybe seeing Kyrie go, he's like, uh, like it was more fun when I when I could rely on my two other superstars with me to do this thing. Plus that combined with the fact that maybe he didn't like how things were going with front office or how they treated Kyrie, but he's perpetually the guy that wants to team up with his friends, no matter where they are and say, let's go in a, let's go in a chip together. This is fun. Like I want to go do this somewhere else.
0: I think Phoenix has a legit shot of, of doing it too. I mean, I, I think the biggest talks after this happened or the biggest worries for me, were are they going to have enough depth around Book, CP, Durant, and then I throw Aiton into that as well. The fact that they were able to keep Aiton and didn't have to include him in the trade, I think is huge. Y'all know I'm not the biggest DeAndre Aiton fan, but for I think he gives them what they need, and the fact that KD won't have to... I mean, they can still run him out if they want to run a smaller lineup at the five, but he won't have to be you know banging down low with these with these big bodies like Jokic and AD and Embiid. You can throw Aiden out to do that. I think is huge. But yeah, I, I do I, I do still for the most part like Phoenix's depth. It's just a huge. I think the biggest gamble to me is the biggest risk is obviously health. I mean, you've got Booker's been injured this season. Chris Paul has been injured this season. Katie's injured right now. Can they make it to the playoffs at 90%, 95% or higher? Because if they do, watch out. I mean, I I think Definitely. they've got I think to a your serious, point about health, shot at like, winning it all.
2: You know, for them, it's like as long as they get into the playoffs, I don't think the seed is going to matter too much just because of, like, the parity in the West. I mean, maybe, right, you don't want to play, like, Denver in the first round or something. But, but even then, right, it's sort of like, okay, well, we're going to either play them in the conference finals or play them right now and 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 then full full strength phoenix versus full strength denver man that's mean that that's mean and especially want to talk to we talked about mike conley as a table setter right chris paul as as a table setter what a what a setup for like one of kind of the old school really really not a lot of table setter point guards anymore um not not in the way that mike conley and chris paul are. right so what an absolute dream to play with to play with book and and to play with Katie. Like you said, like this late in his career, like who knew just just drew the right cards at the right time. And so that's gonna be that's just gonna be in a really exciting team to watch. But you know, do 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 they have enough depth? We'll see.
1: Dan, your dad is a Suns fan. Did you get oh, any dude. reactions? Yeah, I know he's a podcast dude, she, listener too.
2: Yeah shout was, out shouts, John. Shouts to Papa John. He I texted him at uh hey. like 12 30 in the morning texted me the next morning just like no way <laughs> no way he was oh man yeah he's he was so stoked so interestingly <laughs> enough my roommate That's is awesome. also a uh a a, a, a big sons fan he hates kevin durant though from just left over from from 2016 and so he renounced his <laughs> son's
3: fans. oops
0: he,
2: he was like i'm done
0: i mean look i obviously have a a uh an interesting history with kd if he were to come back to my team though i think i would i would welcome him with open arms and any beef <laughs> that i had with him would completely disappear out the window
1: immediately how, i think how about the suns fans just like i don't just having a nice like i don't know four or five year run now and they're gonna have another at least another few years and and i just love how they're set up for the future too i know people are kind of iffy about Ayton, but I like the idea of um, CP and KD aging out and still having one superstar in his prime and another uh, really solid sidekick in his prime too. I mean, these guys are really young and so they have just their whole timeline set up and who knows, maybe maybe Booker, uh, when he's done with KD and CP, best case scenario, will be able to draw one of his many friends too. To kind of add to the core. I think they're just they're set up really nicely from now and five, seven, eight years from from now, even potentially. It's pretty great.
0: And those three playing together, I mean, so you got you got Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. Three of maybe the best ever to do it at the mid-range mid-range game. So you want to talk about playoffs. Again, if they can make it healthy into the playoffs crunch time when it when it gets down to these you know close games in the fourth quarter having three guys that can just kill you over and over and over again in the mid-range is going to be a sight to behold
3: yeah and the roles are more defined than they were when kevin durant was on the nets it was like right Kyrie, james harden and kd is like ball dominant creator ball dominant creator ball dominant creator whereas now on the suns you've got a little bit more of a traditional point guard who's like the table setter right but with a mid-range game on his own right cp3's going to going to do his like shark get dribble under the basket curl back up to the top of the key and then like make a decision right but he now he's going to have book on one side and kd on the other kd being a bigger presence right <clears throat> still very very talented defensively book hanging back a little bit more of the guard it's the the swim lanes that they swim within are far more defined than those uh of Kevin Durant's previous situation in the Nets. So it's already working more in the favor of the Nets uh with KD in this setup versus KD setup in uh, in Brooklyn.
0: I was just I was just gonna say imagine pick picking rolls with or picking oh. pops with uh, with yeah. KD and book. Whew. That's gonna be oh, man. nasty. Imagine trying to guard what the heck do you do?
1: You can't you can't no, switch. You can't spin, go under. I mean, it's like and if they want to, It's a nightmare. And if they want to play smaller, Defense they're spinning each other in Terrence circles. Ross. Oh, yeah. um, we'll see what he has left. I know his his tweet game is fire. Um, <laughs> yeah. If he still has it on it the is, court, yeah. you could play Durant, <laughs> Craig, uh, Ross, and then CP and Book. Um, Ooh, if they got to go against, if they got to go go against the Warriors, if they're playing the Clippers, and Aiden's having a hard time, I, I love it it's it's a good roster.
3: Yeah, and Aiden's still a very competent center. So, like you know, they're set. Just going to going to see how much the what's left to be seen is how much the depth of the roster is going to going to support. Shall we go on to our next bit about taking a look at some of these other trades and a little yeah, bit more of Let's get Sicko, Let's
0: get sicko. Let's get Let nerdy in it. here. Let's get <laughs>
3: We're going to take a look at uh, the rest of the trades. But instead of just reviewing them, you know, just like talking through them, we're going to kind of rank these and assign these uh, according to like most disappointing, most surprising we're gonna go through kind of rapid fire here and uh, give out some sort of like honor. Well, I don't know if I want to call these awards or Benchies, right? But uh, let's go through the rest of the uh, the rest of the trades that happened recently and uh, let's evaluate them. Let's head over to let's over to our favorite move, Jay. I believe you're gonna give us, or at the very least, what your favorite move of uh, maybe besides some of these big trades, if not including them as well. Yeah. So what my, was your favorite move my favorite trade move deadline? outside
1: of the other three we talked about. Uh, we didn't mention really quick. We didn't mention Mo Bamba as part of the Lakers trade. Just want to say he could be interesting. But my favorite move, a uh, move outside of L.A., Phoenix, Dallas, and Brooklyn is uh, I like Luke Kennard to the Grizzlies. They didn't have a, a they didn't they didn't have a great no, no, no. game today today against Boston. It is Boston? Boston's playing quite well as they have most of the season. So who knows? And I believe the Nardog was like minus 20 today. So not the best start to his Grizzlies career. <laughs> Ouch, but he yikes. by far statistically is, is walks into uh, the building as the best shooter on the roster, at least percentage wise and attempts. He's right there with Bane. Uh, he's like, I think Bane is 7.1 attempts a game. Kennard is uh, 6.6. Uh, at least per 36 I think is what I saw but but Cunard shooting uh, n- near 45 percent from three on a lot of attempts that's just a bona fide shooter I hate praising Duke I hate praising uh, guys who who really really like obviously <laughs> played at Duke just from the way that they look and obviously <laughs> you obviously play from at their Duke. haircuts and <laughs> facial structures oh my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and lack of and lack of being able to fe- to defend copy and paste, um, which leads me to a point, a good point I think about uh, Memphis, which is that they, if any team can kind of uh, hide him or uh, cater to his defensive deficiencies while taking advantage of his shooting, I think it is the Grizzlies. They didn't. They gave up basically just uh, second round picks and Danny Green, who they were, I'm sure they just decided wasn't a part of their future anyway. So it's relatively low cost in a dude who brings a, a skill that's very necessary to their roster. Uh, and I mean, I don't, I'm guessing he won't be a starter, but I would not be surprised if he is a finisher in some matchups where the other team isn't going to be taking advantage of him. Cause I think jaw, one of, one of the things that they have done as a team is to maximize jaw is surround him with great, great defenders But I think the other team, the other thing they can do to maximize him is surround him with great, great shooters. And this is one of this is one of those things. And he's part he's right there with the timeline too. It's it's, he's twenty six. He only makes thirteen million a year, so it's not really cutting into that money that they're going to have to give to Desmond Bain that much. I think it's I don't know if it's a slam dunk, but it's very, very good and again low cost. So definitely worth a shot. And they, they, I think they needed something. I think they've been kind of middling a little bit last few weeks. Um, I don't know if Luke Kennard helps their attitude uh, situation that they have right now. Nothing can help that. that's also something that fuels them. So I think Luke <laughs> can, uh, Luke's going to be just a rah-rah guy behind the rest of the guys and, and make some threes. And So I think uh, a very nice marginal move to improve their chances in this playoffs, I think.
3: I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Nard Dog. Oh my gosh. Hashtag Nard dog. dog. He's got that dog in him. He's got that dog in him. <laughs> that <gnar> Dog. He's <laughs> got <laughs> that, that Nard Dog in him. I'll go next. I'm gonna share what's my what I think is the most disappointing move, and not so much. But I want to kind of give it from a different perspective. Not so much call out what I think is the most disappointing move of the trade deadline, but who is now the most disappointed the player who's the most disappointed now because of this trade, uh, this past trade deadline, uh, I'm going to have to go with poor Mr. Ben Simmons. That guy Mm. is down bad. He got left behind. They sold him on a vision. They said, you know what? We're going to get you. We're going to rescue you from Philly. We're going to get you set up here. We're going to put you with our guys. We've got a great, like, we've got a great uh, locker room presence. Everyone's got each other's backs. We've got superstars. It's going to happen, and you're going to move the ball for everybody. And It's going to be great. He was sold on a vision, and that vision pittered out so fast. And what happened next? The Nets announced their starting five uh, for their first game following the trade, and it did not include Mr. Ben Simmons. It was the starting five of Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nick Claxton. And Ben started from the bench. Yeah. It's <laughs> pretty telling. Which, by the way, Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas did not start that game, but maybe Cam has a few more games to prove himself. Kind of, even though he's been on a hot streak, Well, he had pretty a bad Cam. game in there. But Ben Simmons, after getting rid of Katie and Kyrie, still I did not start. It's
1: funny you say he's super disappointed, yeah, he's, but I mean, don't sound that, very disappointed to see how things turned out for him. I don't. I, maybe I'm just guessing.
3: <laughs> You're correct because those two things do not need to be mutually exclusive. <laughs>
1: I will say, Chase,
0: you're right. He thought he was signing up for something, but that requires him playing like an actual NBA player (laughs) and not just a guy that does dribble handoffs over and over and over and over again. Because that's when I watched the game yesterday, that's all he was doing. No rolling, no being aggressive with the ball, no getting out in transition. He's just very, very inconsistent. And it's disappointing to watch, man, because he has more, he has it in him. To at least be, you know, like an 18, seven and seven guy. He right now he's like what a seven three and three guy. He's got to step
1: his game.
3: Up. It's like G just, League, wow. Can G I just League. Interject Draymond? here, uh, that no, that
1: much. like Nets roster, and I need that to be on record. Yeah. thank you very much.
3: I forgot to call that out. I forgot to call that out. I wanted to call that out really quick. Don't. I, I apologize for interrupting. But I didn't. I definitely don't want to paint this as the Nets are are the most disappointing trade because. In all other respects, they made out like great for all the picks they're getting, the guys they got. I they're even set up. think for now they're set up to be in I a good think spot they're for the decent future.
1: Enough, and they're going to be frisky. They're not. I don't think. I don't know if they're going to win a playoff series, but I think they're going to give someone a real tough first round, and that's going to be fun ever, for their fans.
2: Ever ever, ever forget Jacques Vaughn and Jacques Vaughn's beard, leader of men? Can, cannot, cannot preach. Cannot preach. <laughs> Oh
0: my God! Camp Thomas, future Hall of Famer, future (laughs) Hall of Famer, Cam Thomas, (laughs) one-time All-Star, easy player, Cam
1: Thomas. (laughs) I got have you.
0: So when he shoots, man, he like almost hits the rafters with his shot. It's ridiculous. Like he shoots it so
3: high it's got that Larry Bird arc. Uh Pat, give us give us uh, your take uh and how you want to spin uh your thoughts on a trade.
0: Yeah, so I was tasked with the most surprising move and to be honest, it was a little bit difficult for me to narrow this down to one move or one team. I'm going to attempt to do that, but before I do in before I get into that, I do want to do a little bit of a preamble to this. I was surprising/disappointed slash it I, it was surprising slash disappointing to me that there were a lot of teams that we expected to make moves that did not make moves. So a couple of teams that come to mind for me, um, Chicago might they're be at to the top of that list. list. They're about to they're, make a They're big kind move. of going no. They're <laughs> in
1: <that> buyout market.
0: <laughs> bringing in bringing in Russ. My gosh, I man! Like, win. do Absolutely you want to crater the season even more than it already?
1: Is, right, is that actually it's happening? That's but not supposedly confirmed, Supposedly, right? that is who his preference is. Dude, whatever. And, <laughs> and they are interested. The jazz, Why? Why would they bring so him in?
2: To go along with <laughs> Jazz Legend, Patrick Beverly.
1: Maybe he and Damar have a thing. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Maybe.
0: If they are LA guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, he need, if he's going to go anywhere, it should be... The heat, And if they can't rescue him, then he's probably going to be playing in China next season, which pains me to say. But yeah, I mean, Chicago and and probably Toronto, potentially. I I think Toronto, I think Masai is probably thinking like, look, the season is what it is. Let's get to the offseason and we'll make moves at that point. But I know I talked about this on our last podcast there. They and Chicago, I mean, I'd probably throw Washington into this list, too. But Washington, I think, has stuck their flag in the ground on the we just want to make the playoffs hill. And that's good, enough. that's good enough for us and our owner. But, but Chicago and Toronto specifically are really not that far out of the race for, for Wemby or Scoot or one of these, these top guys. Chicago, I know, is in a, a different situation because they owe their, what, top six protected pick to Orlando so in bad. the Vooch trade, so which just continues to look worse and worse over time. It's brutal, man. It's brutal. So... I was disappointed that some of those teams didn't press eject a little bit and kind of strike while the irons hot with this market that was not. I mean we saw some players move, but it wasn't outside of obviously KD Kyrie and then the Russ move there wa- there weren't big names. these were more fringe trades. So I wanted to lead with that but my if I was to narrow it down to kind of my most surprising move, I didn't I honestly didn't really understand the uh Josh Richardson to New Orleans move. New Orleans season has been has had a lot of highs and lows. You know, they came out of the gate firing on all cylinders. B.I. goes down. Zion's been down for about six weeks, had another setback today, which it looks like he's going to be out for at least another few weeks, which is uh, pretty rough. But when I look at that roster, the last thing that comes to mind for me as as far as what they need or what gaps they need to fill is another wing. I mean, that's what they have. Right. They have all these young guys that can fill that spot. To me, I think they needed like an adult point guard to come in and and kind of steady the ship a little bit. Um, they chose not to do that. I don't know if Griff is looking at this as kind of a, a not a lost season, but just, again, it kind of, it is what it is, and we'll regroup in the summer. But that was just a move. I mean, they gave up, I think, four second-round picks for him. I just didn't really, it, it just didn't really make sense to me yeah, they gave up four second-round picks and Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham, I I understand why they would want to move on from his contract. But Josh Richardson's also a free agent this summer. So you're basically you, – you traded away four second-rounders for, what, two months of this guy, three months of this guy? It just doesn't make a, a ton of sense to me. So that's my, that was need my that most need that money to uh, fund the Saints,
3: <laughs> right? Then they got to clear their
1: money to be able to pay <laughs> – Maybe.
3: Yeah, they just they just put that they they put an envelope <laughs> and yes. just stick it right in the mail we'll and send it across cash the office. Are they Please, still
1: they're still you? owned by they're both <laughs> still owned by the Bensons,
0: right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. And the Bensons, <laughs> they, they don't care
3: about the Falcons. <laughs> well, I guess it's not. <laughs> Let's about be honest. RIP time, but respect, Gail. Odd. They, Gale. I'd, they yeah, just care about right. that southern hospitality <laughs> down thing, in Louisiana taste and taste giving people, you know, a nice time. I do declare.
1: Get a little main justice up in
3: here.
1: I do declare <laughs> Michael There's
3: been a in <laughs> <And> surveillance. <Sophia. laughs>
0: oh my gosh. Well, on that note, let's uh, Dan, yeah, Dan so what's, our, what's our last move of the day?
2: Notes the most mad move of 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 the trade deadline. So I'm going to keep this quick so we won't bore everybody. <laughs> quick shout out Meh. to the value of second round picks here. This is just really funny seeing like and <laughs> and they trade uh, Kevin Kevin Knox the 72 <laughs> second round picks for Sidney <laughs> Bay. I'm just like what's like what's going on here? I don't know. So anyway, and th- and th- and there's really not a whole lot to say about this move. It's just hilarious like looking at it. The move is the, the venerable Boston Celtics trade cash considerations. You know, it's great when there's cash considerations in the trade. You just know that things are going on great. Uh, the Celtics trade cash <laughs> yeah. considerations and Noah Vonley to the Spurs for future. For a future conditional second round pick, and I love the idea of a conditional second round pick. Like I know that it's not, prote- I know it's not a protected second round pick, but like in my head, I just sort of categorize it as like a protected second round pick. Like, oh man, you know, if it's top, uh, if it's top forty, we 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 really can't give it up.
3: <laughs> like we might give you these last two yeah, french fries yeah. that we found at the bottom uh, of the bag. Exactly. I honestly didn't It's a condition it's Obama conditional. In the
2: league. Last I saw him in his dreadlocks, they were in uh, he was in he was in Portland. So, I'm just sort of shocked that he's like even there. Maybe San Antonio will play him for 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 Wemby, I don't know. But that's that's easily my my most meh trade.
1: When you said the Boston Celtics, I thought you were about to use the word meh to describe Patrick's uh, hero, Mike Moscala.
2: <laughs>
1: my my <laughs> beloved <laughs> moose. My beloved moose. I would have been like, how
2: dare you? <laughs> you want how me to show you, you some on
0: off numbers from the Thunder this season?
3: I've got them. Don't you make me Miscala's pull out the I keep them tax. in my wallet like, along with a picture shares. of Mike Moscala. <laughs> I've got them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my! <Blake>. Oh man! <laughs> Incredible!
3: Just bump, bump Blake <laughs> Griffin way, off I the edge right. of the of the bench <laughs> by this point. Based on wind shares, he's,
0: Blake Griffin does, is there pure, purely the purely like, for vibes have, at this point. He just has good vibes on the bench. Yeah, Blake, and that's good enough does, for Boston.
3: The
2: dude does. Stand uh, people I they, think they, he's they like, seem I to like, like him lines, a lot. All of a sudden, he's a I vibe think. guy.
3: Immaculate vibes. All right. Well, a nice way to wrap up talking about these uh, these trades. Let's all give our quick picks for our finals favorites. Now that we know how the dust is settling. Right. We still got some of the free agent buyout market stuff that's going to happen later. But let's all really quick give our favorites for who's going to make the finals for each conference. And then uh, an overall title favorite
2: of locker room cancer, Noah Vonley and the cash that was sitting around. I really feel like this. is yeah, it's just so like, dude, we gotta get this cash out of here. <laughs> take
3: this bag, go, piles go. of cash. Don't ask any questions, though. Noah. Take this bag out uh, with you. What's in it?
2: Just go. Um, no, for real. I don't I open the bag. Go. The Celtics as um, as as the favorites there. Um, and then in the West, I, I mean, I really think I got to give it to—I think I got to give it to Phoenix, right? I mean, the the caveat there is—is—is is, is a healthy Phoenix, but I think given given a healthy Phoenix, I I just I don't see anybody else really having having a good chance. So I'm going with with Boston and with Phoenix. 1976 Finals rematch.
1: Wow, big time stuff. Uh, I'm gonna go with a 2021 Finals rematch. I think it's the Suns and the Bucks. I think the Bucks are coming on strong. I may have just put a little FanDuel action on Giannis for MVP. You can still get really good at odds for that. Hey. Um, and, and with Chris being nice. back, they're just rolling, rolling, rolling. And, uh, and yeah, I believe in Phoenix. I believe in Monty kind of putting this together over a short period of time. I also believe in those guys only being together for a short period of time so they don't, like, kind of get sick of each other's antics like KD and CP and Booker. I think it, I think it's a perfect amount of time for them to gel and not get annoyed at each other. Chase, you want to go next? I would
3: say... Sure, sure, sure. It's really hard for me to think otherwise, but it feels like this could be a son's... Celtics finals. It could be it feels like the Bucks as well as they're doing may not have the same sense of urgency that the Celtics, it seems like have now. The Celtics are trying to build this narrative, like, okay, Jalen and Jason and we've got these new this new crew and it's our time. Like our time is now. The Bucks have been there, done that. Like we gotta get them out of here. That's that's my take on on the finals. I, I I completely agree. With uh, the, that there's just enough time for them to feel like on the sun side now for them to be like this is awesome like we're gelling this is great and then it could just completely hit the fan mid next season but at least they'll have a, another ring uh, each of them and I believe in Matt Ishbia the, the new owner he's going to come in I bet he's going to be like alright Knew this, knew that. Like, tell me what you need. I'm the new guy. How can I help you? There's just like new blood and new energy in that building in Phoenix, and so I think they're gonna ride that all the way to the finals.
0: Who? So of the th- with all three of you, who do you think will win? I it say, All I actually say, Bucks. Bucks. Over I
3: would the Suns. say Suns
2: over. I would say Suns over Celtics.
3: Chase. Same. If 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 the Celtics make it past the Bucks, I think the Suns are gonna overpower the Celtics.
0: So I'm gonna zag here. I. It's really, really, really hard for me to choose somebody in the West, the health stuff with the the suns scares me. I want to say the suns and this, this is a, this is definitely a zag for me. Uh, I also want to say Denver, but I just, I don't fully trust that team. I don't, I still don't really love their depth as much as maybe I've, you know, pronounced my love for Jokic in the past.
2: Wow. I'm actually
0: going to go, I'm going to go with golden state from the West, which again, I know is a, a little bit out of left field, I just think, man, they're love it's been, out it's of been brutal. It's been brutal this season. Obviously, Steph's not playing right now, but there's still I just I you can't quit this team, man. Like there's just still something that they've got. Obviously, championship pedigree. As I'm saying this, all I want to do is vomit in my mouth. But <laughs> I still think like there there's there's a little bit of I don't want to say last dance vibes because that feels a little sacrilegious, but I do think there's a little bit of like. Guys, if we're gonna do it again, this is probably the last year before things kind of explode in the off season. So I'm gonna go Golden State from the West, and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Boston from the East, and I think Boston exercises their demons the last
1: finals, and I think they pull it How off. How funny would it be if KD does all of this to get to Phoenix, and then he runs into Golden State? <laughs> oh my gosh! You couldn't you make that oh, up. And they, beat, and they beat him. <laughs> there are a lot of possible poetic... That would pain like me to that, watch. That are ah, for the us. poetic if, justice. If there's a Phoenix-Dallas oh. uh, matchup, if there is somehow a Lakers-Phoenix, maybe like first round, KD versus LeBron again, all of a sudden, there's so many of those waiting for us. I'm so excited. Do the
0: West play... I mean, both sides, the West even more probably, yeah. I think is just going to be an absolute bloodbath. To the
3: finals, yeah. Wes is gonna be crazy now. Like first round, first round viewership's gonna be through the roof. We're gonna be treating like you know, let, let's say right, whatever Lakers, whatever matchups gonna be. Everyone's gonna treat it, watch it like the finals. It's gonna be nuts. Stoked.
2: Matei, so,
3: so stoked. <laughs> oh man, Uh it's tough. I don't know why like my gut reaction was to go in this direction with this mud pie moment here, but I, as you all know, and anyone uh, who listens to the pod knows I'm a big fan of narratives. I'm a big fan of watching, watching a villain go down, watching a hero succeed, but I'm just as much a fan of some of these newer, more hybrid narratives we see in film and TV, the anti-hero, right? Um, uh, uh, the, the the title of the latest Taylor Swift hit single magnifies the anti-hero, right? We all see that in ourselves. We all see ourselves as these combination of uh, of broken and uh, yet noble, trying to be the heroes of our own stories, but in a way that will never be exactly the way that we want to be. Today, I'll take just a brief moment of your time, those of you who have stayed with us to this final moment of the pod to highlight another anti-hero. I'm going to talk about Mr. Rob Palenka. Now, I do not have much of a fan affiliation uh, at all to the to the Lakers in general. I've been a little bit more of a of a, of an indifferent bystander, uh, especially since it's been many time, many, many years since the days of my youth growing up and outside of Seattle as a Sonics fan, when we just, you know, we just hated the Lakers, but in recent years, they've been a fun team to watch. And, uh, my being a LeBron fan in general, I enjoy to see whatever team LeBron's playing for do well, you know, it being very transparent about that. So I find myself kind of via LeBron James, you know, hoping that to see the Lakers do well from time to time as long as it's not at the expense of someone I'm truly rooting for. But I want to point out the story arc, the narrative of Rob Polinka. Just when fans and media and really anyone that's kept any amount of uh, uh, track of the NBA, just when we were all ready for months and months to count out Mr. Polinka, he really pulled quite the rabbit out of his hat. Now, let's not forget that that the, the... That, you know, he made this deal happen of bringing Russell Westbrook to the uh, to the Lakers in the first place. And over the course of the last three years, we went on to oversee the most transient revolving door roster of players come in and out of L.A. I think over like 50 different players have come and gone through the Lakers since they won the chip in 2020. Right. So all the Lakers struggles since then have mostly been mostly I'll say mostly been of Rob Polinka's doing right. LeBron hasn't exactly been a stalwart influence in roster building or influencing the roster as essentially the de facto leader of that, um, of that team, certainly an experience. Now, so we've got that disclaimer out of the way. Right. We're, we're we need to we need to acknowledge that massive 50 ton elephant in the room that, you know, it seems clear that Rob made a gamble on bringing Russell to the uh, to L.A. And it clearly has not very clearly has not worked. But now that we've got that out of the way, it's important to highlight that. Right. That we doubted him. We doubted him because we all watched as he mercilessly cast out crucial pieces of a championship roster, an imperfect but proven core of guys that, that, that all in exchange for a shiny object in the distance, Mr. Russell Westbrook, who, to Rob, shined bright like a diamond. To quote uh, Rihanna, who just sang the Super Bowl moments ago, a couple hours ago, right? Russ was that diamond, a diamond that Rob Polinka wanted to add as a jewel to his crown in order to uh, really make himself, cement himself as the legend uh, of the Lakers front office. But uh, what ensued over the following two seasons after that trade was much less than bright and shiny. Not all that glitters is gold, and up until just a few days ago, we thought that we would all witness the greatest player of at least this NBA's generation. And argue, arguably, I know Zach, I think he just perked his head up somewhere uh, as I'm about to say this. Arguably the greatest player of all time. We thought that we were just going to watch him coast off into the you know the end of his career in two or three more seasons with a handful of personal all-time NBA records in hand, watching the playoffs from his couch in his Brentwood, Hollywood, uh, L.A. home, combing over scripts for his Sprint Hill, Spring Hill company, his entertainment entity, right, as he just transitions from being a full-time NBA player to being a Hollywood mogul. But what we've witnessed over this past week from Rob, it belongs in a movie of its own. If we're thinking of the NBA as a narrative that plays out on the silver screen and franchises are each their own band of heroes and potentially villains, then general managers are essentially each team's anti-hero. Now, to wrap this up, an anti-hero, let's let's review as a central character in a story, a movie or a drama who lacks Conventional heroic attributes. They are a protagonist who is usually as flawed or more flawed than most of the other characters in the story. They disturb the viewer with their weaknesses, yet is sympathetically portrayed and embodies human but while embodying humanity's most vulnerable weaknesses. Okay. Now, our anti-hero of the moment, Mr. Palenka, is in the in both the best and worst ways, is ambitious fearless and persuasive, right? Those characteristics characteristics can be assigned to both heroes and villains. okay The anti-hero typically lacks conventional heroic qualities and attributes such as courage and morality and idealism, right And they've and, and they and they're led by their own self-interest even as an anti-hero, right? Many in the NBA media have accused Polinka of lacking this courage, lacking the kind of idealism that it took to build a winning roster, especially to swallow this massive pill and and admit he was wrong by not only admitting he was wrong, but actually taking action to fix it, right? Why would they do that though, right? He quite literally, uh, you know, led... Uh, the the, the Lakers to having this uh, 2020 championship team, but he let them all walk away to feed his own ambition. He let the lights of the crypto.com arena blind him thinking he could load up another superstar and sacrifice a winning team that was in the making. And he let it drag on for, quite a long time. And one can only imagine how long he's been wanting to put, to go back and change the past and rewrite his errors. We now know that he did, he did truly realize the error of his ways as he's now pulled off really one of the more miraculous roster turnarounds. I mean, time will tell, right by only sacrificing one first round pick in the process and offloading, you know, Mr. Russell Westbrook where it just, it just didn't work out right now. This is, here's the wrap up what did he do to redeem himself and save the lakers from a doom of his own making we have to take a look at four quick things in which way rob truly leaned in to the hero part of being an anti-hero right so in order for us to have a true anti-hero four things one he had to show himself as an anti-anti-hero realizing the error is the error of his ways. We need to come to the, he needs to come to the realization that even with his all his flaws he could be an, he, an anti-hero. What did he do? He turned around, he's essentially turning around the franchise with this franchise altering trade to fix the errors of his ways too. He he had to make the right decision after being offered a choice. The anti hero must make a crucial decision whether to continue down their destructive path or choose redemption. Rob chose redemption. Number three, consequence of choice. The outcome of the anti hero's choice should have a significant impact on the story and shape their fate. That one explains itself. That's quite the the consequence of his choice has had already overwhelmingly not only a a positive impact on the roster, but as Jay mentioned earlier, just... A, 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 a weight completely lifted off the shoulders of millions of Lakers fans. And finally, we, in order for Rob Palinka to cement himself as an anti hero, at least for our purposes today, is to show resolution. The resolution should provide closure for the character and the audience, showing the outcome of the anti hero's journey and how long and how they have changed. Now, time again, time will only tell how this trade will make the Lakers look and how it will fare for them. But it is, without a doubt, a good faith effort on the part of Rob Palenka to put the team back in the good graces of the masses of Lakers fans who are anxiously watching with popcorn and drink in hand as the Showtime Lakers story rolls along with Rob as the anti-hero of the story today. (laughs) That is all.
0: <clears throat> Can I just say, I think Lakers fans should be the Mud Pie Rob's Moment of the Week for immediately turning around and be like, "We love Rob. Rob's the greatest. We love this guy. We've always loved this guy." What are you talking well, about? I mean, Rob? I don't know. I don't know. If awesome. You
1: guys have a problem with the concept of forgiveness? <laughs> oh my gosh! But they say it's like forgiveness. <laughs> so I, I don't know if you guys care about things like that. But <laughs> air is human oh, to forgive. It's, it's just being a good fan. amen oh,